0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Abby and Danielle here. At Hashtag Real Life, we want to bring the essence of conversations back into our day-to-day lives. We want to tell the stories of the people around us with no topic off the table.
1: Our hope is to create a safe space for ourselves, guests, and our listeners, all while bringing our authentic selves to create rambling but beautiful content.
0: Now, let's talk about some stuff.
1: Hello, good evening,
0: everybody. We're back. <laughs> Woo, Welcome can't to-
1: wait. Yes. Ooh sneak peek. Hashtag real life. This is yeah. Abby. And this is
0: Danielle. Did I already this introduce Chelsea, myself? No good. one
2: knows who I am, but
0: I'm <laughs> right. chelsea is our new guest for the podcast i mean we'll just we'll just pull her in we'll get her in she's here we're super super excited this is chelsea london lloyd we are so excited to have her on she is the co-founder and the podcast brain of the dying of laughter podcast abby and i have been Blessed to be able to talk with her in like different circles, actually, because we obviously had like a networking event thing with her. And then I got the pleasure of being on her podcast and talking about all things life and everything about her podcast as well. And we're so excited because Chelsea is a very multifaceted person and we love that. And we love having people on the podcast that can just, you know, brighten up our lives and give us more about them. So we're super excited that we could bring her on and just chat with her <laughs> so Chelsea you is welcome me. yes
1: thank you Chelsea like we already said we're so excited to get to know you more and I yeah I mean once we get to your pod I just want to know more about Danielle's recording of it because that was a really big moment for her and you might not realize how big of a moment that was so teaser of audience <laughs> but um
0: I know. I
2: can't wait, wait, didn't yeah? I'm like, did that come out? Yeah, I don't even think that. I don't think, so. I don't think okay. so.
0: Content, on the list. If it's
2: not, it will. It's in. It's in the mix somewhere. So can't wait for that. Maybe it's it, in the queue. Maybe we can cross release them around the same time. That could be cool, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. It's in the queue. It's somewhere there.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell. Let's get right to it. Tell our listeners about your podcast.
2: Yes. Thank you for asking about it. Do you love how I'm literally petting my dog? Like, so if you're like, what is the hand doing? There's nothing <laughs> like weird. I mean, it is weird, but I'm literally petting a dog. Yes.
0: Um I love dogs. And you kept the dog. When I talked to you last, you didn't know if you're gonna keep it or not. This is amazing. Well, well sis,
2: it's still TBD. That's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other story. But right. so far, for six months I've had this dog. Yes. Um, my podcast is called Dying of Laughter and it's interviews with comedians and funny at heart humans with deceased parents and siblings specifically. So if you are experiencing loss or anticipatory grief, I'd be happy to chat. And that's based on my experience, losing my dad to ALS and also watching my mom combat stage four breast cancer. And they were both diagnosed when I was eight. So I've really been thinking about this for a long time. So that's the inspo Mm -hmm. for the podcast.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is, yeah. So your whole life has kind of been defined by grief and death and yet you also have put a a comedic spin on it as well and i know you do that in your day-to-day life as well oh
2: definitely yeah there's no question there sorry that's okay (laughs) yeah just take it in
1: girl just just you know we'll just process together i'm here to process
2: in unison that sounds fun
1: right (laughs) well well, i guess the question is when did you start the podcast so like eight-year-old chelsea wow this I, I'm going to start a podcast one day.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, when I was eight, there was no podcast. I know. Right? I know. Yeah. You're like, you too. We are probably the same age. There was no podcast. But um, I definitely have always thought about grief and, you know, any, my dad was even having symptoms. Is my dog going to like straight up come <gasps> into this? Oh, so cute. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you. So my dad was having symptoms when I was even closer to four. He thought he was misdiagnosed for a few years. So, you know, my whole life, I've always. Remembered him falling down and having symptoms such as paralysis and not being able to drive and eat and all these things. And also, my cousin, when I was four and she was nine, unfortunately died in an accident. And of course, I was very, very young, but I do remember her. So there's like so much to it, which is, you know, too long for just one interview. But specifically, <laughs> yes, I have thought about grief in a unique way, probably for longer than some, just because of their diagnoses being in unison. And then them officially having the conversation with my younger sister and I, hey, we both have diseases and being in elementary school and feeling very awkward about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But my dad was really funny and he always used humor to like laugh through the fact that he was paralyzed. Like he was like, ha ha, I can't move. You know, it's like not funny, but if the person who is paralyzed says it, you can laugh. If someone else says it, you can't. So Mm -hmm. he taught me from an early age, look, I can laugh about this, can you? Mm-hmm. was it also dark and like very upsetting of course but there's I think there's always a place for humor within a dark space it doesn't mean the whole thing's funny but it means elements of that are funny and then cut to my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time she had so she was diagnosed when I was eight and then it was fine and then when I was 25 came back so like 17 years later technically there was this other diagnosis and she's been combating that today for about six years now when she was first diagnosed we thought you know maybe you live a year. Some people Mm -hmm. with stage four cancer can live a few months. Some people can live a decade, everything in between. And generally it's not a great diagnosis because stage four means it's metastasized, which means the tumors have spread throughout your body, which some people listening might be familiar with.
0: Some perhaps not.
2: That said, she is still here today and very much living with cancer, which is incredible and has like a very good life thus far. So that's cool. But when she was diagnosed, you know, I perhaps thought I won't have Two parents and like probably before I'm 30 I won't have my mom and like that's all I still do I turn 30 I'm alive she's alive but the impetus for the podcast was like how am I gonna deal with not having both parents like that was really what inspired me and if you don't have the community you build the community right so I just 100%. started looking, looking into grief groups and grief work and something that interested me was my dad had technically died six years ago. And a lot of the grief groups in Los Angeles said, we hold people who've lost those from between a few weeks ago to up to five years. And you're you're six, so you don't qualify for the free groups. And I totally resonated. and I actually agreed that people grieving recently would be better candidates. However, <laughs> I still did think, well, what about me? I mean, I'm 25 yeah. and I'm still stressed out. Yes, if it was last year, that makes more sense. So then started listening to podcasts, looked into them started making one probably, you know, something maybe similar for you guys. You listen Mm -hmm. to podcasts, you love them. You're like, I'm going to do this. And I started recording it when I was 28. I'm now about to be 32 time flies, but it officially Mm -hmm. released January of 2020. Ironically, like a death podcast Mm -hmm. right before COVID, but but I feel like people take it a little more seriously because they're like talking about grief. And so, yeah, and it's still going to this day.
1: Mm I mean, what a niche and like awesome and needed. Cause yeah, as you said it, I'm like, okay, it does make sense to have grief groups, you know, maybe be, you know, it probably would be a different group if there was a whole, you know, plethora of people like someone who lost someone 20 years ago versus last year, like Mm -hmm. they do need different groups. I get, I do get that. So awesome, awesome, uh, job being creative and creating your own. Mm -hmm.
2: Thank you. And, um, little plug here for a group called the dinner party which has since pivoted to virtual groups so the dinner party hosts free virtual zooms for those age 20s through 40s so if you are grieving and you're looking for a free group the dinner party is an excellent resource it's done online everyone can access it and the number of years is not so stringent slash there are opportunities for other people and all levels and peer-based etc so the dinner party is a little plug there if you're listening currently grieving and want to jump
0: into a group
1: yeah yeah we'll link in our show notes too because that's a really great
0: resource Mm -hmm. and I just like going back to you like talking about like having the conversations with your dad about like humor and through grief and all those different things like that's also like a huge way that you bonded with him so I'm sure it also like adds so much more to it now too where it's kind of like hey like hey dad you know like even though you're not here I'm still able to continue with this laughter and kind of like get through a hard time but like still be able to talk about it from such a different level as well
2: yeah for sure yeah thanks for pointing that out yes I think it's you know we all try and keep our people alive in some way some of the time not all the ways all the time Mm -hmm. but some of the ways some of the time I feel you can do that is using comedy and using life as a I mean as a laugh as a joke I mean Everyone's like, my life's a joke, and like, we're all kidding, but are we? I mean, there's so
1: many,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Exactly,
1: life is funny that way, yeah. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Exactly, I love yes. Life. Well, something that just kind of popped in my mind is I talked a few episodes ago about so I grew up Catholic and I attended a lot of Catholic funerals growing up, and I feel like, Ooh, like I just had a very interesting, re- we all have an interesting relationship with grief and death. Um, for a number of reasons. So I'm curious and maybe cause you don't know any different might not know, but do you feel like just having that awareness of death and grief from such a young age, obviously it impacts you today, but do you feel you would have wished it would have happened a little bit differently? Like, yeah, kind of take that question. Where are you will. <laughs>
2: yes um yes well thanks for sharing that you went to a lot of funerals sorry to hear and yet you know like part of life right is anticipating sure is. Is, excuse me is anticipating death um yeah you know it's interesting to think because of course I would rather my dad be mm-hmm. alive uh, sure. than, than not right um however I do feel like I have a really healthy relationship. To end of life and to anticipatory grief, in large part due to him and his attitude and like how he walked through the world and how he left this world. So that's something I feel like I'm uniquely not qualified because I always say to people, obviously talk to a therapist. Don't th- don't don't talk to me, you know. <laughs> but you know, just like anything, people do want to talk to real people going through real experiences at the same time. So I'm I'm just I'm just glad I have a healthy relationship to all of this. Like I'm very interested in end of life practices. I'm in a current. Group right now called A Year to Live. It's an online program for a year put on by Spirit Rock Meditation Center. We're all walking through the world as if it was our last year on earth. And like I do stuff like that, which I feel like encourages a healthy relationship to death. For my 30th birthday, I had a Jewish funeral themed birthday party and everyone wore black. Like I, I do like all these fun and weird things. So I feel like I'm, it's like part of my journey at this point to continue exploring that. And I feel pretty. Uh, pretty grounded in that practice and, and pretty like I feel good that I have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. that said do I have healthy relationships to everything in my life not necessarily like I'm living and breathing death and grief all the time now more so than I mean there's other things that are di- difficult right like sexuality like I had a big breakup like I'm not like as confident like Things like relationships romantically necessarily. So it's like we all have something that mm-hmm. we are like passionately walking through confidently. And we all have things shit to work on. So if you're like, I don't feel as comfortable about death, no worries. I'm sure you're <laughs> slaying in some other facet of life.
1: Right.
0: Me. That is a great way to look at it. Yeah. no mm-hmm. oh, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Thank you. Well- Well, and I think too, like, because like you're able to like speak to death and everything like that, it's easier to have conversations with people that probably aren't as used to talking about those things because you can hold space for that a little bit differently. And so it might help people open up a little bit more about things that they want to talk about, or if they're not as well-versed in end of life and things like that as well.
2: Yes, definitely down to hold the space and like, you know, it's a lot of listening. and like, the, it's kind of like the opposite of what I I feel like do with the podcast. It's like, okay, the podcast is like all this talking and question asking. And then, you know, when I'm on the flip side, like when I'm holding space for people grieving, like just really listening and letting people vent and share their story un, un, uninterrupted, which is the same, not unlike anything difficult that people go through. Like they want to be heard and listened to and share their voice.
1: Right. Base. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Listening is an unused, uh, untapped communication skill that we all need to build up a little bit.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So what about you guys? I know, Danielle, I've had a chance to speak with you a little bit more in depth, but um, Mm -hmm. what comes up for you about the relationship that you have with grief? Like, does it scare you? How do you feel about your own mortality?
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it really scares me necessarily. I mean, I think like kind of like you and I think like with Abby too, since I mean, I've used I'm used to going to funerals from like a super young age and all of that. So, I mean, I do have kind of like this intense, like brace for impact kind of situation every once in a while, but I feel like I kind of always in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, you know, like this is how life is, you know, like this is how it's going to be. It doesn't make it any easier, but this is just kind of how the circle of life goes. And I'm always that person that's like, okay, um, something ended. So something was reborn. Like I always kind of have that aspect of things. Like when I lose someone, I'm always like, okay, but like, what was the other piece of it that was born from this? Or what was something of kind of like that circle life aspect? So, I mean, I would say, I don't necessarily think I have like the healthiest relationship with it, but I definitely think that because I've been involved in it for so long, I think I'm able to look at it a little bit differently than some of the people that I'm around sometimes and things like that, just because I have like had to deal with it from such a young age and I was always like around going to funerals and things like that.
1: Well um, right. It's such a personal story, right? Like mm-hmm. for, especially for both of you losing a parent. Mm-hmm. Um and like and the reason I said at the beginning that like that was really like special and important for Danielle. And I'm kind of putting her on the spot. Sorry. No, uh, but <laughs> Right? All her close friends know, right, that she lost her mom. And yet it, Danielle goes through the world, like, being really happy, uplifting, kind of being the the ear for other people, um, and not always divulging, like, her own feelings about really tough stuff. So when I heard that she was on your podcast and I like literally am on the edge of my seat like I can't wait to hear it because I'm just so proud of her
2: oh
0: my goodness <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes did we can't wait for the episode to come out it'll be amazing we'll have to link it here too yeah the we'll to yeah. way to cross reference but
1: yeah I can't wait. <laughs> um and and I guess to answer your question yeah but uh I was a very anxious child and so it was definitely fear was whistle- fear death was to like to be feared. Um, or that was just again, how my like sensitive heart took it in. Um, and as so much, so like anytime I have any, or when I was younger, any like medical issue, like the biggest fear is like, Oh my gosh, am I going to die? Like that? Like very going to the extreme. I've done a lot of work on that, uh, (laughs) that anxious and fear. Uh, but I feel, yeah, I've definitely grown into a lot more healthier, uh, relationship with death and the same, Thing too of that, there is, you know, what, my own spirituality journey to like not being with really the church anymore and just having kind of the less denominational, but also like these people are always with us in some way. Um, yeah, I liked what you said, Danielle, of like something ended to be we reborn. And also thinking of too. Like when I die, I want to be, yeah, uh, cremated and like under a tree or in nature, like something that like, mm-hmm. give back versus like the idea of just being in a coffin, just that part still weirds me out, but
2: mm-hmm. we're all
1: processing in our own time, right? <laughs> yeah, no,
2: isn't it interesting, but it is, you know, it, it's not like everyone has to decide right now, but it is in, something interesting to think about, like how you want to be remembered and like where mm-hmm. you want to be placed. And I think it's really a gift you can give to those who are still living to Have those decisions made because people don't want to guess, like they don't want to feel guilty, like they did the wrong thing. So I even encourage people to, to, you know, to write it down somewhere. Even now, like, and you know, maybe your opinion will change, and it's not something to think about all the time. But like, what a gift to give those living that you Mm -hmm. have clarity on some of it, some of those pieces,
0: right? And I think, like, I mean, Abby and I have talked about it before because, I mean, obviously we had, we both, like, lost someone kind of around the same time, like, at the beginning of this year. Yeah. And we had those kind of discussions of, like, how vulnerable and how intense it is for the family afterwards and, like, what everyone experiences After the fact, like not even necessarily when, you know, you go to the funeral or when you find out someone dies, but like all the stuff that comes from it afterwards and just kind of like how you deal with that. And like, you know, assets and houses and like all the things like that and all that extra stuff that no one really kind of thinks about. And just kind of to your point, Chelsea, like having those things not I mean, you're not going to have everything handled before something happens. Of course not. But I mean, just having those other kind of pieces kind of tied in is also equally as helpful you know Absolutely. yeah
1: yeah something it's it's kind of a haha but we went through my grandma's uh stuff recently because she was the one who passed away in my family beginning of january and all of us uh grandkids and my mom and all of us like we're going through my aunt's stuff or my aunt geez my grandma's stuff to go through like what things do you want like you know uh cleaning up and we were going through my grandma's like, she had all this really nice china and I forget what it's called, but the like divided thing that you have at like parties, right? Like with vegetables, dip. There was a name, but whatever. None of us wanted it. And then this past weekend at the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl party, I'm like, damn it, that would have come in handy. <laughs> I, and so I had to giggle about that. Um and <laughs> say, like, oh dang, I should have just taken that when I could. Like, why did I roll my eyes at it? <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a recent funny huh?
2: Love a separated plate, whatever those called. I know yeah. what you mean. Well, like, whatever it is, I feel you. But there, there is the is a
0: name the character. Find it out. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> it, yeah, my mom said the name. I'm like, excuse me, what?
0: Yeah. You um, don't know. E-
1: either way. Well, Chelsea, obviously, like the podcast is a huge part of your life, but also you have a whole other life outside of the podcast. So what else do you do in your I'm putting in air quotes free time
2: (laughs) yes I'm happy to share my dog has literally been staring at me this whole episode I'm like girl I I think you're bothering you
1: more than us yeah
2: well it's just like it's funny it's like she's staring it's like we went for a walk you have toys out you've been to the bathroom you've had your food it's like why are we like what's happening here right (laughs) So yeah, we'll talk about her. She's a stage five clinger for sure. But <laughs> yes, I'm an actress, a comedian. I do stand up in Los Angeles and I do commercials and whatever, wherever whoever will have me, I will do it. I'm, I'm in some movies coming out I'm in this film called We Have a Ghost uh, on Netflix, a small part that comes out in a couple of weeks. And I'm in a, a Wayfair campaign right now. So I'm in three commercials with Kelly Clarkson that are airing nationally. So maybe oh, someone yeah. else seen them. Maybe not. I was super fun and really grateful for that. So that's a big part of my life is comedy, whether it's on screen or stand up. And then, yeah, I have, a, I have this dog, Penny, that I keep <laughs> talking about. I found her in the trash. I named her Penny because like, see a Penny, pick it up. her mm-hmm. picked her up and um she's like a lot of issues from being in the trash. So it's complicated, but she has separation anxiety. So she just like howls and freaks out and she's by herself. But if someone's there, she's like totally fine. So I'm in all these training programs. I feel like I'm like weirdly like a dog expert right now for no reason. <laughs> I have all these like training programs. So yeah, comedy, dogs, death. That's yeah, that's what I got going on.
1: Comedy, dogs, <laughs> and death. Name of it. The- title the up. Yeah. Well, that's
2: fun. Could be. Could be girls. Could be. <laughs>
1: Could be. Uh, have you always wanted to get into like entertainment and comedy acting or? Yes, definitely. Um,
2: yes. It's always been a big part of my life. Just like in some way um, I was doing about three musicals a year since I was like five or six. So I just, I feel like by the time I like went to school, I'd already done like 50 shows and they weren't like professional, but it's still a lot of learning and a good experience and so then I ended up at USC in LA for their acting program and kind of have just uh, been doing it since. And I think always like playing the comedic characters to like laugh through pain has been a factor and just like, you know, using comedy, I feel like was a way for the adults to feel like I was okay because my parents had, you know, diseases and adults are like, how do I talk to the kid about this? So right. just, like, showing that I could use humor, I think was a, a tool there and yeah i feel really grateful that it the arts has been a part of my life and continues to be it's definitely you know a competitive thing to do and there's years that are hard it's a lot of ups and downs it's not like linear and it's not always lucrative and it's not always a walk in the park but it's really fun and rewarding and if you remember why you're doing it and if you remember you're doing it for the right reasons and for your own bliss and passion like it's it can be really beautiful to do the thing that you always wanted to do.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. I I know. Well, and like, even like our past guests, we were talking to her about like, you know, how it was like during COVID and everything like that. Like how did COVID kind of like affect the arts for you or was it anything that was different? Obviously you're starting like your podcast during that time. So you're kind of switching gears in some sort of ways. Like how did you kind of navigate that?
2: Um, Yes. Yes. That was so wild. I know it's weird to like even do podcasts now, um, you know, after the fact, so to speak, I mean, COVID is still real and I Mm -hmm. still know people getting it, but you know, a little bit more removed from the pandemic. And let's say we were a year or two ago, um, totally different because I mean, entertainment didn't exist. It shut down. No one was working at all. No one was getting paid. Nothing was shooting. TV shows weren't shooting. You couldn't be on set with hundreds of people. No way. So you know, you just didn't work at all. I uh, left Los Angeles for about six months. I moved home to the Bay Area with my mom, like, saved a bunch of money. And it just was a wild time because also all of your colleagues, all of your friends, like, no one's working, like, yeah. no one. anything coming up no one knows when it's coming back so that was like a very depressing weird time also you know prefacing we all understand that entertainment is not life and death and we're not saving lives and like it is supposed to be fun but it is your livelihood it is what you're doing and if you feel like you don't know what when you're gonna make money again that's that's you know problematic but totally i was fortunate to be at buzzfeed at the time i was in uh this Buzzfeed talent residency, which pivoted virtually, we were in the office for about two weeks. And then so I was able to make a lot of content remotely. And that was something that like really kept me going. And I didn't make a lot of grief content. Um, and then I ended up working there like full time for a bit and producing all virtually. So like that was a whole other chapter of my life. And then ultimately like full time is Hi, sweet uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's real life. was <laughs> eating my, uh, What is it? Foam roller. And she likes to eat foam and then she will throw up. So that's cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I was at Buzzfeed for a while and I made some cool videos. Like um, I did this video, like moms who lost children speak with children who lost moms and like, what's it like to lose your mom to COVID-19 and like interviewing nurses during COVID-19. So like there was some cool things happening. um, But it was all through the sphere of like, this is awkward. And like, why am I making this video out of my childhood bedroom? And like, will I ever move back to Los Angeles? So yeah, that was, that was rough. Um, for sure. It was also weird to have the podcast. I, I done so many interviews in person, which I, I do prefer. However, like virtual interviews is such a game changer. Like I probably won't go back. I mean, my, my dream is like maybe here and there still doing person interviews, but thus far I just haven't because of the convenience of virtual, as you guys know, it's just like so Mm -hmm. insurmountable and not renting studio space and saving all that money. It's incredible. Um, but it was unique that the podcast came out during that time was wild. Um, and then I guess another good thing that did come from that year is I did begin a mentorship program. So if you're familiar with big sisters, it's like one-to-one mm-hmm. mentoring with um, mm-hmm. kids and, and adults. Um, it's the equivalent of big sisters called walk with Sally. And it's the same thing, but everyone has been impacted by cancer specifically. So I was matched with a then nine-year-old whose mom had stage four metastatic cancer as did my own mom. And that was like really powerful. And we were Uh, we were meeting once or twice a month um a lot virtually but also in person and i chose to meet in person in 2020 with a stranger and whose mom Mm -hmm. was sick and it was risky and it was but i felt that like it was important to give back i mean these kids were you know trapped in their houses and people from underprivileged and lower income communities like are in these like apartments with big families and they're cooped up and like they don't have their own place to go their own room to go i mean it was you know, incredibly eye-opening and complicated, as we all know. So, you know, me taking her to a park outside with masks was like, I felt like something that would be fun for her. Um, but it was like really scary. I mean, it was during the time when you didn't know anything as to how, how you're going to get it and who you're going to get it. And when her mom's in the hospital, you know, you don't want to give anything to her mom. So like me being doing all these tests before I saw them and yeah, they're total strangers to me, but you know, I was going to turn 30 at the time and my career was just like a shitstorm. and also puts things into perspective. And, um, I just felt it would be really, um, it was important to do something, uh, meaningful and that's what I decided to do. And I'm, I'm happy to say like, I'm, I'm still in the program. I'm still with her. It's been, I guess, almost like two, two and a half years now. And, um, her mom did unfortunately pass away a few months after the program started, which I mean it was completely a whole other level i thought that was going to be like the cancer thing i did not like the grief thing i did yeah. but it turns out everything kind of comes back to mm-hmm. grief and that was her only you know she her dad's on the picture so that was her only parent and she's nine and her mom dies and it was really really fucking heavy i mean it's the heavy yeah. I mean, it's like the heaviest thing that can happen truly uh, especially when you're also not having resources and et cetera. Et cetera. but um she's doing She's doing better. She's doing well. I mean, it's hard times, but I'm very involved and I'm like lucky to know her. She's like the cutest. She's like the cutest. And she's taught me so much. So yeah, that was um, that was something that came out of 2020 as well.
1: How I mean, how beautiful. Cause yeah, I'm just thinking of how important that must have been for her in that moment, but also full circle for you because of the same age and also like with your mom, also at that time having cancer and yeah that just is the world the world works in mysterious ways
2: mm-hmm. thanks yeah i i know it's it's i mean it's really wild i i ended up uh writing a, a an article about it. it's like my first uh, article that's ever been like published or um just came out in this this uh magazine called lilith and then i was performing the story orally around Los Angeles I mean yeah it's really been a part of my life in such a big way of like what she taught me because you know like we started out of course not in the same situation but just you know being the same age with a mom with cancer all the other circumstances were completely different but like you know and my mom was fine and like kept going and like is and is still here and like and you know I have more resources than she did to begin with so it's like Losing her mom and not having these other resources is like really, really heavy. I mean, it's horrible, and you have to ask yourself like, what care and access means, and who had access to what. And like, to a point, we don't need to like get into the nitty gritty. But I'm just like, okay, like, is is my mom having access to care that other people are not having access to? Perhaps, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they found her mom's cancer at stage four, which is never good. And I don't know how often her mom was screened, but that aside. Something I also share is her mom was BRCA positive and BRCA is the gene that shows you have a predisposition for yeah. breast cancer. Yeah. If you have the gene, you have an up to 80 to 85% chance of getting breast cancer. So it's my belief that if you're BRCA positive, we have to have a lot more screenings in place so that you're, I don't think anyone with BRCA should be caught at stage four. Because if you have BRCA, then we know like you need to, We need to be screening all the time a lot of people don't even know if they have BRCA or if they should check for BRCA. so i I just feel like there's well the last thing i'll say is there's a lot of people with breast cancer and other kinds of cancers that don't have the gene and are not predisposed and that's a huge issue because what are we going to do you find you have cancer and what can we do but for the group who does have a predisposition let's try and catch it earlier right because you are preventative Mm -hmm. all the time and certainly the exact person who should not find out at stage four is a single mom of a child without a lot of financial resources i mean it's just devastating Mm -hmm. and so everything i've done with the story and writing the story and sharing the story and performing the story is really to raise awareness for that and you know to honor her mom i just i loved her mom and i mean she just she just couldn't believe that she was diagnosed in in the pandemic she just couldn't believe it and she always wanted to share her story so um yeah, I'll leave you with, with that. I know that's um, heavy. So, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. And if you're curious about BRCA, I have some episodes on my podcast, like how to decide if you want to find out if you've the gene. it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think everyone wants to know, but if you do want to know, there's ways to test and ways to find out, or if you want, you know, perhaps your mom or grandma might want to know because, um, you know, one in eight women will get breast cancer in their lifetime, um, hopefully later in life. But if you do have the gene, knowing that your gene would show you that you have up to an 80 to 85% chance of getting breast cancer, that's powerful information, right? And information Mm -hmm. is power. So for those interested, I think it can be interesting to
1: know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can, we can link, uh, those episodes in our show notes too, or even just information. Cause I think one, oops, knowledge is power. I don't think keep it in my computer I don't think everyone here's the thing like I don't think everyone even knows exactly about the BRCA gene right so like mm-hmm. there's one but then I also love what you said too about in access to health care and adequate health care and prevention screenings like and especially if they're this family was already in lower income areas any socioeconomic barriers um Like, unfortunately in our current system, my personal belief is that healthcare is a privilege and it should not be, it should be universal and I'll, I'll leave it there, but (laughs) yeah, uh, there's a lot there for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. And I realized I just got really soapboxy and like started talking about all of this stuff. Like really, no, it's important. (laughs) That's it's real. Yes. I'm talking about and you're listening. Like, that's totally cool. Like I didn't know what I was talking about either. So I, yeah, maybe we can link an episode where I interview um, a genetics counselor and she explains it
0: certainly much better than I just did. Yeah. Well, well, and that's the big thing. I mean, like you talking about it is like the first step, you know what I mean? And like people talking about those things, because like we said, like people don't really know, you know what I mean? And like, if no one's ever talking about it or no one's listening to a random podcast or just hearing someone talk about it, like they're never going to have any idea. So it's, it's okay. And it's good. And like, sometimes we do get so boxy. It's cool. And you did it, but like, sometimes we do, you know,
2: (laughs) It's a lot. And yeah, if you're listening and like, you're not sure where to start with your health, I always say, you know, a blood test once a year is a good place to start. Like, I mean, I probably like the majority of my friends, like don't even do that. I didn't used to do that. I don't know when the best place or I don't know when the best day to start is maybe when you turn now, I mean, when you're 25, when you're 30, I don't know. It's like yeah, a blood yeah. test once a year. It's, you know, a lot of insurance will cover that for free and it just, it rules out a lot of things and most mammograms don't start till closer to 40 unless you do have a history of cancer then it mm-hmm. starts earlier but like always have your doctor and your gynecologist feel your boobs cuz they can you know do a thorough exam and they will do it it's included in your appointment they should do it without you asking of course with your consent mm-hmm. however not everyone does i've had to ask too, hey can you do a breast exam it's like takes a few minutes it's not mm-hmm. that awkward like you know whatever and it's mm-hmm. like okay so your primary care physician and or your gynecologist can and will include a breast exam in your appointment so that's something to do once every six months to one year as is a, a yearly blood test can rule out a lot of things and i'll just i'll leave it there but those are like my two little recommendations because how often do we like go a couple of years like oh i don't know when's the last time i checked for this or checked for that mm-hmm. and then certainly pap smears a gynecologist it's just like they say every like two or three years now which depends but like don't let it be five years right so it's just right. like how can we keep checking in with our own health even if you're completely healthy and have no history of anything finding anything early is key, when, right? Whether it's breast cancer or anything else, you know, it's like stage one breast cancer is quite resolvable. It's horrific. I can't imagine, and it's devastating, and, and and unacceptable. And I have people in my communities now their twenties and thirties with breast cancer, and I absolutely cannot imagine. Yeah. And yet, stage one and two is a lot more resolvable than if you find something later and it's metastasized and it's spread. I mean, it's just a whole other ball game. So,
0: mm-hmm. you know, just
2: always advocating for people to test their health and figure out what's going on, because if you catch something early. Uh, you have a good shot of continuing on peacefully, hopefully. So yeah, that's what do I have to say about that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Always prioritizing
0: help. health. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Preach. Preach, Preach. Yes.
2: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what if I just started preaching everything? Also wear a condom, also wear a sweater, <laughs> yes. also bring tissues, also, you know, what if I just started like doing everything?
0: Hey, someone would need it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly the
2: aspiring Jewish mom in me is like unwell and like protecting everyone I'm like please do this and this and that I'm like you know what like fucking you know what tell me to fuck off don't do any of this just like don't not go to a doctor for five years that's 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 where I'll leave it right Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) oh well we know that you are super super busy and have other uh engagements that you have to run to so we don't want to take up any, like, we don't want to run into all of your uh, things that you have going on, but at the end of our episodes, we always do an Instagram versus reality. And I know you said that might need a little refresher on what that is.
2: Yes. Please refresh me and tell me all the things. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Danielle, you got
0: this. <laughs> okay. So Instagram versus reality, you're essentially myth busting something. So something that looks one way on one side and then looks completely different on the other, it could literally be anything. Like it could be like, we've done like what diet culture is, you know, hashtags, like actually Instagram versus reality, like what you see on Instagram isn't the reality whatever it could be like you know the fish filet sandwich isn't the same you know like it could (laughs) really be anything it could be about this topic in general or whatever you think so
2: do I choose something from my Instagram or from anyone's Instagram
0: it doesn't even have to be Instagram like it can literally be something that you like a topic presents one way but it's actually really something completely different Oh, like your take Instagram on in general?
2: It like doesn't Instagram have to be. Yes. <laughs> that in. Instagram in general presents that way. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm like Instagram is the myth. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Do you want like a short one or like just like a quick like fun? You can do short. Do whatever, can do whatever you are whatever. called to do. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is too broad. I need I need more rules. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like okay, the food. I'll I'll just do something. The food in commercials yeah, is sprayed with gasoline. Like, it's not real food. Um, I did a KFC commercial, and they had the chicken sandwich that we ate and the chicken sandwich that was presented. So it's like you take a bite of the one that, like, looks horrible but tastes good, and then they actually film the one that looks amazing and horrible, and it's, like, sprayed with, like, who knows, corn oil, gasoline, like, the hairspray. Like, it's, like, actually sprayed with, like, crazy amounts of shit, and there's food stylists like fully dedicated to the food and their geniuses and great at their job but like they're like painting the chicken before it comes on the set and like that's kind of funny because you just see it on that tv is... and you're like cool but it's like it's a whole thing
1: yeah no <laughs> yeah. that was a perfect example round of applause mm-hmm. because we haven't had someone bring that one up and yeah it that is true yeah food marketing commercials isn't I feel always fun. Like kind is. of know that, so it's not like a revelation, but it's mm-hmm. what came to mind. <laughs> right. Hey, the sprayed with gasoline, I think, is going to catch some people's ears. <laughs>
2: right. That's right.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Well, this was such a great episode, and we want you to plug all away all the things. How people can find you? How people can get connected with you? Any other resources you have? Plug away thank you um thank you guys for having me and keeping
2: this fun and you know making death fun it's Mm -hmm. just it's what we do love a fun death episode um (laughs) yes my instagram is at chels who else so that's like who else but chels uh you could also google chelsea london lloyd it'll come up and my podcast is the dying of laughter podcast tragedy flipped on its head available wherever you get your podcasts. and yeah my instagram is mostly me impersonating Jonathan Van Ness talking about dogs and or death and or my random commercials so yeah hop on over there if you're into that
1: and did I see this correctly you have an IMDB right because obviously you've been in things so you're so funny I do I do have an IMDB if you want to see the weird
2: shows I've been in you probably like not heard of them but some some of them maybe I usually have, like <laughs> one or two lines and be like was that that person with, <laughs> that person with like one line and that thing I'm like yeah probably hey
0: that's a good I, thing I mean was, you know <laughs>
2: listen says one line today hopefully 10 tomorrow but you know what it is it's fun oh that's another myth but myth buster a lot of things are cut down so it's like you shoot a bigger thing and then mm-hmm. it's like two seconds and you're like well it was actually not that but hey that's- hey
1: you were something. woman number two and barry <laughs> that's
2: right sis i was woman number two thank you for bringing that up i appreciate
1: you also you're on grownish, and i love this uh a Jewish bisexual BFF on Gronish. That was okay. That was a test.
2: So like the lead girl is a Jewish bisexual girl, and it was almost me, and it wasn't. So that was like when my oh. life almost changed, and I was almost like a lead. So mm-hmm. that did not happen, but that's like a whole other story. But I was, <laughs> I was woman number two in Barry, and that was an example too of like the lines were cut. So you see me a little bit, and people still text me. Like, like, hey, I just saw you married, So it made it, but like, there was more. Oh, it was more than no one will ever see, and that's okay because right. that's part of the that, business. That right. is okay. I love it. <laughs> but yes, my Wayfair commercials are are current. So that's if anyone. I mean, depending on when this comes out, it probably won't be current at that point. But yes, if you like Kelly Clarkson, she was fantastic to work with. And I'm uh, I'm sitting in a personal sauna, so there's like a big, like weird sauna and then my head's popping out and i just like talk to her so yeah that's that's there right now oh my gosh what yes. a wonderful uh,
1: kelly clarkson would be a dream to work with <laughs> oh,
2: she was so cool yeah she i mean i feel like it makes sense why she's still like like she's so successful because she's like lovely and like she doesn't have to be right i mean why would you want to be rude but she couldn't have been nicer and was like very kind and like i just been through a massive breakup and like mm-hmm. it was so funny because i just got a seven and a half year relationship about six months ago. So that's like, you know, a big deal um in, in many ways. But um, I, I was like jamming Kelly Clarkson music during the breakup. I mean, I still am. I still feel like the breakup is fresh. And then it was like, I booked this commercial with Kelly Clarkson. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And the whole time on set, I was like, don't tell Kelly Clarkson about your breakup. Don't tell Kelly Clarkson about your breakup. Because you know, Every single day of her life, people are like, my soul, I need to tell you. And I was like, no, but really, this is actually the biggest breakup I've ever had. But I was
0: like, don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't, tell her. don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you're just like (gasps) I'm sitting with her right now it's like you manifested it you're like I just you know Kelly Clarkson's like in my ears she's there and then she really was there in the flesh (laughs) she really was there but isn't that funny too because like imagine every single day when she walks down the
2: street like people are like I just broke up with Johnny you know and it's like but that actually is like how I felt I was like I really I really did like (laughs) I was like I'm not gonna say anything if I ever see her again a, like or shop more. Like I, I was like, I would tell her what well, it actually has been, you know, other than my dad's death, like the, the one of the harder things I've ever been through. You know, mm-hmm. we live together and like there's a dog and we're on insurance and like we're you know, it's like it's not a divorce, but it's not not. I mean, we don't own property or have children, so yeah. certainly there's more complicated things. But you know, I have friends who've been married less time than we've been together, so it was a really big deal and pandemic influencing things and like our families are connected. It's like so complex. Um it's a loss. It's a loss. It's a loss. loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a big thing. And like I I really was laughing at moments shooting the commercial because I was like i really don't like i really am jamming to her like every night in like a heartbroken way and like i cannot tell
1: her because it's so cliche (laughs) but it's fucking true so there you go so in a way that could also be an instagram versus reality you're like i showed up to the set like yep we're doing this but deep down inside i was jamming out to her songs (laughs) Oh but t-
2: to totally. <laughs> I was supposed to go to I do grief camp every year for kids and like that was the week of the year of my week long grief camp and I pulled out like 2 days before. I was in such a bad place. I was just like and you know normally helping others is really the way through and I always recommend that like if you want to help yourself help someone else. Mm-hmm. But I was like so overwhelmed of like this person that's in your life every single day is like not gonna be there and it wasn't really my decision and it just was heavy and like knowing there's gonna be a dog by myself I mean I was like I can't I cannot I cannot go do this for a week and so I would have missed the audition because I turn off my phone for a week like my representation like knows like don't reach out to me unless there's an emergency or like something massive happens but um you know auditions are year round christmas eve you name it so it's like the one week of the year i just kind of like take a break um and if i had gone i would have missed it and then i was like just instead of going to grief camp i went to my childhood home for a week cuz i was like i already cleared my schedule for a full week what can i do i'll go home and kind of regroup and process and like take the dog and then the appointment came in and i did the audition from my childhood bedroom instead of like in Los Angeles with like my lights and like my setup and my stuff it was like my mom was like doing it with me and I was like this is shit like I hate everything and then like the fact that like I did get it it was like pretty wild I was like wow okay I don't know
0: but it was fun yeah (laughs) you're like this is you're like this is my real life right now but like it worked (laughs) you know like this is what's happening right now
2: Right. and like I yeah I don't know if you it's like okay so you know every auditions are all like virtual now so you you tape yourself on your phone and you know they used to be in person so you know your friends do it with you um and stuff like that there's also these really good virtual programs now where you can have someone read virtually with you but I was like in my house with my mom like <laughs> reading the lines and she was like you're not doing it right I'm like you don't know what you're saying like let me <laughs> you' know, like in fights about it. it was like horrible and then it like worked out I was shocked I was like this is like w- of course you can't make this
1: shit up it's like you know i'm obsessed i love it
2: so that was a lot of tangential information so yeah thanks for being with me
1: <laughs> we so love good. it we love it we love the content it
0: was so uh, good <laughs> but love thank
1: tea. you thank you again chelsea yes well we're here always for the tea
0: if you ever want to <laughs> come back yes part two you know <laughs> loves the,
2: loves the team. We'll have to regroup. Well, thank you guys so much for having me and thanks for what you're doing and sharing spaces. And I love that you guys do it together. And it's so cool. We're able to connect virtually in this world. You know, there's such a blessing in terms of virtual interviews because when you're not in the same city, like you can do this and it's so fun. So I love right. it.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to connect. It's the best. It is. It is. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in once again and chatting with us or listening and, to and please check out Chelsea and all of
1: her and all of her things. So yeah until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for taking the time during your morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time listen, but we
0: would love to hear more from you. We'd love to hear more from you. So make sure you join us on Facebook at real life podcast with Abby and Danielle and like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not an Apple user, we are actually on Spotify as well, but on Apple, you can leave us a review, but don't forget to leave us a review on Facebook as well.